You're listening to the Successfully Funded Podcast by Woodshed Agency. Let's turn it up. Crowdfunders, project creators, movers, shakers, doers, idea people. Welcome to Successfully Funded, the crowdfunding podcast from Woodshed Agency. I am your guest host, Sean Neal, sitting in for Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel, who uh, is taking a much-needed day off today. Um, today, our guest is Vincent Busso from Fun Key. They have a really really just joyful project of uh, retro gaming consoles, your Super Nintendo, your NES, your Sega Genesis on a keychain. That's right. You can carry around your Super Mario Brothers or your Mario Kart or all your your Contra, all your favorite little retro game game consoles on a little, little you know, Apple Watch size console on your keychain, and it's a it's a super fun project. It's just a a great, happy, nostalgic conversation from uh, another one of you guys, a uh, a guy with an idea who's going to Kickstarter or Indiegogo to make it happen. So that's coming up soon in a bit here. Um, so what's going on in the world? You know, we're we're continuing to be isolated at home. You know, working for I got my. My uh, studio back at home here doing all of our, our great content and strategy and, and running the campaigns for Woodshed Agency. So I sit in my little dark room all day, all along with me and the dog, Toby. And uh, that, that's social life for us now. We, you know, it's uh, you know just a little bit above a stay-at-home order here in Detroit and, and very little social contact. I do my CrossFit, go do that thing, see the lady every once in a while. But for the most part, it's me and the dog. And that, that's what led me to my um, Super Adventure Fun Day yesterday. So, um, you know, anyone that kind of knows me knows my, my dog Toby. He's an American Bull Terrier, kind of a tall, skinny pit bull. And uh, he's got the allergies, you know. Uh, Mr. Fuzzy Wenzel calls him Mr. Pink because, you know, he's got that, that white coat and that pink skin under there. And anytime time he's flared up, he's, he's really a bright pink and he's not a happy camper. And, you know, we, we take all the... The medicines and the steroids and the Apoquil and the all the things to keep keep his allergies down. But every once in a while, usually around uh, when when it's grass cutting time, he his allergies act up. And today was one of those days. And, and usually the best way to cure that is take him on down to the dog wash and do a nice uh, hypoallergenic shampoo, get them all cleaned up, get them. Get him nice and fresh and cooled off and, and, and just chilled out a little bit from the allergies. And that was my plan. And uh, a couple, couple towns away, there's a really nice uh, uh, Pet Supplies Plus with a self-service dog wash that, that I, I can manage to, to wash a 70-pound dog without breaking my back at. And, uh, you know, if there's a little bit of a line, no big deal. We can, uh, there's a nice park next to it. We go walk for a little bit in the park and then, and then get our turn in line. Well... This is where the adventure starts. So, um, right before we're pulling into the uh, the dog wash, uh, right in front of me, I witness a violent head-on collision. There was a uh, a white work van pulling out of uh, pulling out of the intersection and uh, coming the other way, hardcore, not even paying attention, is a uh, pickup truck barreling about sixty-five miles an hour and just. Blam! Head right on into this van. Uh, 
And, you know, kind of being early in the morning and, and one of the first people, you know, to witness this and right there, you know, my natural instinct is like, you know, got to get out of the car and check and make sure everybody's all right. Now, the dude in the pickup truck immediately gets out, starts walking. He's he's fine. But this white van, um, you know, the front end is just completely crushed and and wrapped around this driver. So me, me and one or two other guys that stop and pull up, you know, we go we go walk over to this driver, and miraculously, although this guy is completely crushed in by the front of this van, you know, he's talking, he's alert, and he's a little bit pissed off that, that he got hit trying to cross this intersection. But he's got himself a... Uh, pretty serious cut on his arm that is uh you know not to be too graphic here pumping some blood tarantino style and um you know as you do with a crowdfunding agency making content it just so happens that not too long ago we had a client that was um uh, manufacturing distributed tourniquets um mainly trying to you know um provide solutions to schools and churches during this other awful time of school shootings and, you know, mass violence that we have, but it just so happened that I had spent a good couple weeks filming training videos on how to respond to, to um, you know, big bleeds with tourniquets and bandages and all that, and so basically by filming it, I've, I've had the training, so I immediately see, oh my gosh, that's an artery, it's pumping blood, we need to put a tourniquet on that. So we go to the, the the back of my car with my trusty, dusty ratchet locks that are pretty similar to the type of tourniquet we saw, and we formed a, a little makeshift tourniquet on this guy, got the bleeding stopped, and, you know, called the EMS and the fire department and, and you know, hung out there for about 10, 15 minutes making sure this guy's alert and okay and, and not bleeding anymore until the pros can arrive and uh, get the jaws of life and, and get him out of there. And, you know, believe it or not, other than that cut, which, you know, the, the EMS ended up telling us it wasn't as serious as we thought we thought it was, <laughs> kind of pretty much gets up, brushes himself off, walks away, and, and, you know, just goes to the hospital to get checked out. So craziest thing I have seen in, in my time, and I've seen some stuff, but uh, how this guy just walks out with basically a cut on his arm and a banged up knee and in a you know general pissy demeanor is uh, amazing to me. And you know, of course, we lose our spot in line at the dog wash, and so now it's time to go go walk Toby in the park and uh, kill some time and and wait for our spot to be open. And you know, so I drive on over to the park, get the dog out, start walking, and before I know it. Uh, the city of Warren, Michigan's finest police start descending on the park uh, in their full-on battle rattle and bulletproof vest and militarized look that you, you're you seeing now more and more from the police department. And it turns out they're, they're hunting down a, uh, a man with a gun, uh, an active shooter or whatever. And um, we're ordered to, to stay where we are, which is basically a bench a little bit you know, far away from the car, and I don't have my phone, don't have my laptop, just got to kind of sit it out and wait it out with the pup. And uh, so did that for a good half hour, 45 minutes, just uh, waiting for them to clear the park and, and make it all safe, all clear. 
And uh, by then, you know, I'd lost my day. We had our woodshed calls and had to go back. Uh, itchy dog, stinky dog in hand, mission not accomplished, and uh, a scratchy Toby. So if you, if you hear Toby behind me here, you know, scratching a little bit, you hear a little his collar jingling around. It's because we had an epic, epic fail in trying to do the dog wash yesterday. So that's, that's a little day in the life of Detroit, a little day in the life of... Uh, uh, you know, our social distancing, work from home, try to get things done land. So what's going on with you guys? Uh, tell us what, what you're working on. Tell us what's, uh, what's going on in your world. What kind of product ideas do you have? What kind of, um, what kind of cool crowdfunding projects are you thinking about running? Is this the right time to run it? Is, is this the, you know, is this the right environment to run in a Kickstarter? What are the best practices? Well, we got a couple things for you for that. So you can scoot on over to um, Facebook, and, and we have the successfully funded Kickstarter group where you can join and, uh, and talk with other project creators and, and you know, have some conversation. Jeff and I occasionally chime in there and, and guide the topic. But, you know, meet with your peers. Meet, meet with other people. Learn what they're doing to succeed or what they're thinking about and how we can apply that to your campaign. And also, this podcast. If you're sitting at home doing work at home and you want to, you know, put a little white noise on in the background, we don't have much sports left to speak of. We don't have much other things other than the scary, scary news. Uh, load up your favorite podcast app and uh, dip back to the archive. We've recently crossed, I think, our, our 200 epi- episode um, thresholds. A lot of information. Go back and uh, listen to our back archives. Check out some projects that are similar to your idea and see what was working then and what's working now. So that's uh, that's a couple of things we got out there for you guys was successfully funded. And uh, we're about to have one of those conversations right now with uh, Vincent Busso from Fun Key. Let's turn it up. Flashing, that means that we are recording and making some podcast magic. Uh, so, Vincent, the, the first question we ask all of our, our guests here on Successfully Funded is, uh, what did you have for breakfast today? Oh, well, it's going to be a bit disappointing because I just had coffee this morning. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you normally <laughs> have? And usually I have, uh, well, I shouldn't say this, but uh, Nutella. Okay, okay. Yeah. Nutella with the bread, yeah. Yeah, we had a, you know, we, we had an early morning today. We had a, a Kickstarter campaign ending and flipping over to Indiegogo. So I literally spent the whole morning on Zoom here and then uh, ate an early lunch of tacos. So that's tacos. <laughs> really? Okay, for breakfast. What I had for breakfast here. All, All right. right. So Vincent Bizo, um, where are you guys based out of? I'm sorry? Uh, you guys are based in France? Yes, we are based in Bordeaux in France. Okay, fantastic. So uh, the Funky S, uh, the world's smallest foldable, uh, foldable handheld console. Uh, what, what, what inspired you to, to create this, this fun keychain? Many ideas. I mean, the story behind it is a bit long, but basically uh, the whole idea behind the Funky S is to have a keychain on which you can play, you know, retro games. And uh, for me, I'm a huge fan of retro gaming and playing uh, the old games, you know, that we used to play on the Super Nintendo or the NES when you were young. And uh, the A is, um, you know, you've got a, a lot of 
idle moments in life when you're just waiting in line or at the dentist or, or I don't know, in the bus. And uh, the idea is to fill all of these empty moments with uh, something that you always carry with you because it's on your keys, you know, it's on your keychain. And just pop it up and you open it and you can just start back some game that you were playing or beat some boss that you were beating or something like that on any console that you wanted that you played on when you were young. Fantastic. And so this is, you know, this is really hitting my sweet spot because, you know, I'm of the generation that when Super Nintendo came out, I was at that perfect age, I was about 12 years old, and man, was it a life changer. Um, How how are you, you know, to do do the, boy, has technology changed? You know, back in the day, we had these big boxes, and we would blow on the tape and try to get the cartridge to go in, and and now you get this on a small keychain. How are you able to bring so many different console games to this small device? Yeah. Um, well, actually, you know, uh, virtual consoles actually exist already. So we have some competition, let's say, and yeah. uh, they all the normal size, let's say. They are a size to play on, which is approximately the size of any Game Boy or the Switch or something like that. So that's what we did, basically. So all we are, how do we fit all of these consoles? We didn't create the emulators for these consoles. We used open source emulators, and we're going to share everything with... Uh, everyone, actually, that's one main point of uh, of uh, our project. And then um, I guess the answer would be thanks to our team, because um, the main three people behind the project are David, Mitchell, and me, uh, which are who are a mechanical engineer, a software engineer, and an electrical engineer. So we've basically brainstormed everything, and so we came up with something. Pretty small. And if you want to know something, uh, the CPU that we used that allowed us to save a lot of space uh, is something that usually is used in the GoPro cameras. But there's already, you know, a little screen output uh, made for the GoPro cameras, and we reuse this. You know, it's a bit of recycling so that we can use it on small screens for the consoles. Nice, nice. So. You know, obviously, I see I see some Super Nintendo or NES games, I should say, being uh, replicated here. How many? What are the different systems that you can replicate on this? Uh, okay, so from memory, you have a dozen of a dozen of them. Yes, twelve actually. So perfect dozen. You have the NES, the Super Nintendo, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. Uh, um, the Sega Mega Drive or Genesis, the Sega Master System, the Game Gear, the Neo Geo Pocket, the Atari Lynx, and the PlayStation One. Wow, amazing! Uh, and, well, I don't remember. And the Wonders One. Sorry. Yeah, I'll tell you. You know, I remember this era of like Tamagotchi, you know, keychains, and how <laughs> how simple those were, and yeah. and there was like this what we like almost like an eight bit era of these things on here and to have that much power on a device like this. Are you worried that people are going to be completely checked out and wasting their time playing retro games now? (laughs) No, not really. Not really. I'm not worried about that. (laughs) So, you know, I think that at the core of this is just fun. I mean, you know, the idea of, 
being able to kind of go back and do these throwbacks on such a, a unique size, you know, really hits Kickstarter's sweet spot with um, just joyful products that, that aren't, you know, taking themselves too seriously, aren't doing a real hard sell. Um, you know, and, you're, and as of speaking today with about six days to go, you're at about 150,000 U.S. with 1,600 backers. How did you get the message out to them? How did they, how did you acquire your backer base? Well, actually the main uh, advice we got was from Kickstarter, which has a really great uh, how to get started webpage. And uh, they say that from the start, you need to build a community, either on uh, social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or through your website with um, a newsletter. And uh, we were pretty late, but, uh, you know, as they say, I think it's on their website that they say, like some Japanese um, uh, mojo that says, uh, either you planted the tree 20 years ago or you can still plant it now. And it's, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but right. basically, you know, every day is the best day to start. And so we did, and we got, we got the chance to get a really Great addition to the team, uh, Kilian, which uh, works in marketing and uh, and uh, ended up really creating a great uh, community for us. So we have like three thousand people on Instagram following us and writing, and uh, it's a great active community. They're always supporting us and giving us ideas. And uh, really, we can't thank them enough. And it's thanks to them that we managed uh, this. So. How soon before your launch did you start um, making those marketing efforts? I'm not really great with dates. Uh, you should ask my, my girlfriend's uh, is my calendar actually, so I should ask her. <laughs> uh, no, it's approximately like a, a year ago. I should I say no, okay. no, I'm mistaken. We started before, but Kilian joined us less than six months ago. So yeah, it's it's less. Before we was there, I think we had two hundred followers, and now we have three thousand. So yeah, nice. so you you really did make an investment of building an audience to bring to Kickstarter versus yes. throwing it on Kickstarter, hoping they come. Yeah. So um, how you've got these shipping pretty aggressively too in November twenty twenty. Um, what, what is your process like once this thing funds? What, what is the next stage for you? Yeah, that's something that people worry about and uh, even us actually. So I should uh, first say that we are already a bit uh, in advance. We are not late. So we prepared everything before. We already contacted everyone uh, in China because we're producing in China. So we've got, uh, and I should say that our jobs, uh, David, Michael and me, uh, is this basically we do this for a living uh, with another company, but so uh, we do this, we've been doing this for years. So we know how to make products in China, um, electromechanical products from start and to produce them in China because that's uh, we handle the whole chain at our jobs. So basically, we know the process and we just replicated it for, for the for the funky ass. So we are pretty confident about the dates. And we already started manufacturing. Well, that's an exclusive info. No one knows. We started manufacturing the PCBAs, uh, the yeah, PCBAs, English, yep. the uh, printed uh, circuits. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
like uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the week. Okay. And uh, the molds are going to start normally next week. Good. So yeah, so before you even end, you're going to be in the manufacturing process. That's that's fantastic. Um, what what has been what has been like the main feedback from your backer community? What are, what are they saying about the project? What what are they loving about it? Some of them say it's too small. We can play. Yeah, it's not the backers because the backers obviously they backed it because it's not too small for them. They they yeah. wanted to play it. But usually uh, we've got. Out of the backyard community, we've got the, no, it's too small, I can't play, I won't play. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's great. It's really cute and I can carry it with me. Um, and we are trying to, you know, move uh, in this direction. We are trying to, to change the minds of the people saying it's too right. small. Actually, most of the people we actually, um, to, to, to who we actually um, lend the, the prototypes, they all change their minds uh, and they, they want one now. It's, it's really not too small. You can actually play it. It's great. And among the backers, I think um, we've got a lot of support and they, most of them, um, they require things. You know, they wanted to add uh, stretch goals and to give us advice and um, usually pretty good advice, really. And uh, they, thanks to them, we actually got in contact to our uh, production in China and we've added new colors uh, to the console. And so it's going to come for them. Yeah. You know, I, I think that on the size standpoint, the fact that it fits on the keychain is its charm in my mind, you know, like that's, and yeah. it doesn't look like it's too cumbersome of a device on the keychain either. Yeah. Right. So the ergonomics of it, you know, fit in your pocket or, you know, hang yeah. out slightly or whatever. Yeah. Um, is it, is the demographics of your audience, Adult meals, like, like who who is buying this age wise? Okay, so we have a few info about that, especially thanks to Google Analytics and uh, the YouTube uh, the YouTube channel as well. So yeah, mostly male audience. I'd say it's a eighty twenty Kickstarter. That's who we are, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially for gadgets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do you? Th- do you think that that is going to be your core audience moving forward or do you, do you find a way that maybe there's some broader appeal with younger audiences? Yeah, actually we think um, we didn't reach the whole, uh, the whole audience yet. To tell you the truth, we didn't get uh, many, we, we got some articles uh, from uh, tech um, news uh, websites, but not from the U S and they answered and actually, it's a great thing that they answered and we, because we asked them, why don't you talk about the, our products? Because most of the other countries do. And uh, in the US, like, I don't know, like TechCrunch or Gizmodo or big, uh, big journals like that, they answered that they actually follow the product for quite some time. And they knew about some projects when before we launched it on Kickstarter. But they don't take the risk anymore to talk about Kickstarter products. Not much. And... Um, I think we missed a big audience because of that. And also yeah. because of the COVID pandemic in the US right now, it's not really, you know, the time to buy things. It is not a time to buy no. things. Now, yeah, I think, I think, you know, you're touching on a point that a lot of campaign founders should think about is, you know, this beast of crowdfunding and digital marketing is always evolving. And, and I think what's happening is, in the beginning, it was a very open market. You know, you didn't necessarily have to run Facebook ads. You know, there was 
there was no blocking of your audience on Facebook. If you made a post, everyone that follows you sees it. And, you know, the, the tech media in particular was very excited to write about these ideas and projects. But because of not so much projects failing, but projects succeeding and then failing to deliver, um, yeah. this is the reason why a lot of publications are hesitant. So I think what, what that, the advice that I would give to any project creator is that's why you've got to spend that year like you did prior and investing that in your, your Instagram audience, your Facebook audience, your YouTube audience, um, because you're not going to get eyeballs on your Kickstarter from press. That's going to come later when you're a shipping product on maybe a digital store or Shopify or standard retail rules apply to you. Um, but it's not going to happen right now anymore with, with these publications. So, um, yeah. And you should know because you, you've uh, produced a lot of Kickstarter projects, no? It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think still to this day, uh, uh, Jeff and I, um, under our previous company, Groovebox Studios, hold the record for the most successful Kickstarter campaigns by any single project creator. So uh, they were all very small music campaigns, but we did a lot of them. I think it's yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you should definitely yeah. know. Yeah. Two two hundred and sixty five of those plus you know as Woodshed Agency you know we you know I think we we've had well over a hundred as Woodshed Agency uh, as a consulting agency. So we're not the project creator, but we're in the yeah. weeds with our our partners doing it. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about after Kickstarter. You know. So you know. You're obviously doing great with six days left. I think, you know, this next stretch goal of unlocking the colors, I, I really hope you achieve that. <laughs> you know, that's, I, I would love, I would love to see that happen. Um, when your Kickstarter ends, what are you doing immediately after that? Are you going to do the Indiegogo in demand? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, yeah, it's very to easy to do everybody you should all be doing this um yeah, yeah. uh i spent all morning switching it over to her client but yes this can be done okay no they contacted yeah. us actually. we we planned on doing it and we got lucky i don't know if uh, maybe it's one week that i mean they have a, a one week rule or something but they contacted us yesterday uh, guys from Indiegogo, and we actually told them that yeah, we already planned on, on doing it. And uh, I think it's a great way to fill the gap between uh, the web ma web marketplace where you're going to really be able to sell your products and with uh, continuous production when you already have stock. And now the end of the campaign, because we don't have stock yet, uh, any stock, I mean. So basically, there's a big gap. And yeah, we plan yeah. on doing Indiegogo in demand. I think it's the best yeah. way to. I, I agree. It's becoming a best practice that, and we did this this morning with our client, is our Kickstarter ended at noon at 12.01, the Indiegogo was live. You know, so the the Kickstarter had just barely stopped doing its fireworks of, hey, you're, you, you've succeeded, and now Indiegogo's up. Um, yeah, and then, you know, what a lot of... Can I ask you a question about this? Because yeah. you should know, so I'm just going <laughs> to... Yeah. Uh, we were wondering today... Um, at the end of the Kickstarter, we can't write anything anymore on the story, right? Um, we... There are some restrictions, but um, and we're seeing it for the first time now too. Like Kickstarter has a couple of betas that they're running in okay. terms of of actually solving this problem we just talked about, right? Of of campaigns succeeding but then failing to deliver. 
is okay. they have a beta program now that is giving you a really organized way of reporting your stages of production. So okay. you cannot go back and change fundamental language on what your campaign was. That's all locked in stone. But now you have this new area where you can post updates of where you are in the, in the process. And that might not be available to everybody, but we, we're seeing it for the first time as a beta with this client. We're going to be digging in. Okay. Um, well, I asked that because I wanted to know if we should put the wheel on Indiegogo on demand in well, demand before the end of the Kickstarter or not at the, you yeah, know, at the beginning. Well, of the actually, um, I think this, so, you know, for, this is going to be um, one of those, um, visual things for our, our podcast listener audience that isn't going to be awesome. <laughs> but for anyone that goes to YouTube and checks out our, our video stream here, they can see this. So I'm going to share my screen with you. So now, now okay. we're going from podcasts to our, uh, our helping the uh, our campaigns. So this is what you see now. Uh, and this is the campaign that we flipped over. So what I was able to do now is I can change this button, and th this is a best practice we recommend is use the Indiegogo colors and do a pre-order now. So when we click this now, um, you're going to be redirected right over to your Indiegogo. Wow, that's a good idea, okay. So you don't really need to make a big fuss about um, this different platform now existing over here. Um, people that are gonna wanna pledge now and pre-order, it's right there with that button. But um, the other thing is, you can see here, this is where the status section that's in beta. Yeah, just okay. now. So, yeah, so I, I don't know how it's going to be executed in the, the main body of the campaign, um, but th these are where status updates are going to start to go. And, of course, you have your normal, you have your normal way of doing backer updates um, with, your, with your, your backers, so you can still communicate to them there. Um, but the, the reason why this is, I think, becoming a great best practice for reward-based crowdfunding to go immediately from Kickstarter to Indiegogo in demand is you do not lose the SEO investment you have on your Kickstarter page. Yeah, that's true. You know, you, 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 you've been spending 30 days or whatever it is building up this audience that's been engaging with your Kickstarter and that Kickstarter link in your Google ranking is going to be very, very hot. And now you've got this other beast starting up and starting to gain traction with Indiegogo, but the one's going to link directly to the other. So they're not, they're not really working competitively against each other. They're working in harmony. And, uh, and actually you're, you're helping building and, and, and growing the community because you've got the Kickstarter one and then Indiegogo might help you also making promotion on their websites with their... Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the communities are different and they're cultivated differently. And I think it's a good thing that Kickstarter has its culture and Indiegogo has its culture, you know. Um, but but some of the things that change that are, that are helping you as a, as a project creator bridge the gap from a Kickstarter, you know, crowdfunding all or nothing mindset, you know, is this going to work? Am I going to hit my goal? You know, is what you're thinking about on the Kickstarter to now, because you have the ability to put the Facebook pixel code and Google, you know, Google AdWords codes right into your Indiegogo, you're going to start to change your ad behaviors and the types of retargeting strategies that you're doing on Indiegogo. They're going to be more similar 
to what you're going to be doing when you get to your Shopify page or your web store. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to be able to think about how you're engaging with this audience a little bit differently and use some but different uh, muscles. So it's a smooth transition there. Okay. It's, it's, yeah. uh, okay. Well, the, the, the only thing that's not smooth and anyone from Indiegogo or a Kickstarter, I know you're mortal enemies. I know, I know you could be in the same space, but the, the design parameters for Indiegogo are about 15 pixels different than the design parameters or Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So your designer has to go through and change the, the, the aspect ratios of all your graphics. To be pixel perfect. You mean, and that, that sucks, (laughs) but, but yeah, but um, yeah. So let's, let's bring this back to your product now. Okay. So consultation off podcast (laughs) back on. Um, (laughs) No problem. So, what what are your future plans transitioning from a pre-order status to, you know, a, a regular, regular digital marketing experience? You mean after the in-demand? Uh, yeah, for this year. product. Like, how do you see the company moving forward? So we already have the website. Um, we thought about uh, basically uh, setting up our, uh, our marketing, our um, how do you really call it? Sorry. Uh, like digital marketing or a web store, or Shopify. Yeah. 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 We wanted to, yeah. That's, that's the idea because uh, after the, in, the on demand, yeah, we wanted to directly send the, web, the products on our website. Right. Perfect. Is it a good idea? I mean, I don't know if yeah, maybe I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, especially if this is what you do, you know, um, do, do you see this staying this kind of, um, I don't want to use the word gimmick, but like, um, yeah, yeah, um, whimsical. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think whimsy is the better word. I think yeah. whimsy is the better word. Do, 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 you, do you see yourself staying in this whimsical execution of this retro gaming console or do you have other ideas on the pipe? Yeah. We do. <laughs> <laughs> and do you um, want to share them know. with our podcast audience? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, um, what can I say? I can say that, the retro gaming community is already, I mean, the retro gaming consoles, you know, the, the handhelds are not only our console, you know, they are, like I said before, they are mainly like uh, big consoles. Like, right. And uh, it's already, it's a market which is already well established. You know, it's been three years. It's the third generation of um, retro handheld consoles. They are pretty great right now. And we couldn't just arrive there and, uh, and, and with our first product, you know, be a very great concurrent solution uh, compared to the other. So basically, we have a name now in the retro gaming community. We have a console that's uh, a niche product, so we don't really have any competition. And we have a really great product. We also have a great... Uh, OS, a great distribution, which is unique. We're going to share with everyone. And we plan on opening this distribution or sharing this distribution with the market and and making a name. And since many people asked for a full-size product and that maybe we'll have a name and a great distribution, a great OS for a full-size product. Yeah. Let's well, see. Let's see where we go with that. <laughs> I'll tell you. You know, 
for, for this category, I think you already have two of the cultural things that are important is, is you approach this with a light heart and um, you're listening to your, to your backers and your customers, right? Yeah. You know, you're, 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 you're taking that feedback and saying, no, that's not the way we like it. Like, yeah. Color is great. Bring it. What do you got? What else? You know? So um, I think, I think you're, you're definitely in the right cultural mindset to succeed in, in this space as a company. And uh, uh, thank you. And, and you're following the best practices. So you need to go on demand. Um, <laughs> but, but everybody, I'll tell you this. Um, it's the fun key S over on Kickstarter is about six days to go as of the recording of this. I think by the time this thing airs, you're going to have about uh, 48 hours left um, to pledge, help them hit this next stretch goal. Let's get those colors. All right. So um, everybody rally. We got to get 25,000 more us pumped into this thing uh, before they go over to Indiegogo on demand. So then they can unveil their master plans there of what comes after colors. Um, but uh, Vincent, it is awesome talking to you, man. Um, yeah, awesome talking to you and thanks yeah. for the great advice. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. So everyone check it out. Funky S, uh, the hand, you can't miss it. The purple handheld retro gaming keychain. And uh, uh, they're over on Kickstarter for the next couple of days. And then when they're done, if they follow Sean's old advice, I'll have a big pink button on that Kickstarter. They'll take yeah. it out of Indiegogo on demand. Where you sure, that would be. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for having us. Thanks. You too. Be safe. Wear your mask. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. You too. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Totally fun and, and, and in-depth interview, huh, guys? Uh, Vincent Busso from FunKey. They're over on Kickstarter right now. Go check them out. Give them a give them a whirl. Get that on your keychain. Play some Super Mario Brothers or some Contra while you're uh, uh, shooting the breeze or sitting at a dog park uh, waiting for the police to clear out an active shooter. That would have been really handy to have, man, let me tell you. So... So a little bit of business here. If you're a crowdfunder, if you're an idea guy, if you're if you're a person, uh, guy or girl thinking about bringing a product to life, you want to you want to get an audience and, and get your idea out into the world, and you're thinking about using crowdfunding, you should you should check us out. Go over to woodshed.agency, our website, and schedule uh, a 20 minute consultation with Jeff or myself, and we'll we'll check out your project, give you some of our best tips, best advice on how to uh, how to go forward with your crowdfunding campaign, what platforms right for you, what strategies right, how to how to do a pre-launch and build an audience. Um, check out your page, check out your design. We'll give you all of our knowledge to help you succeed. And if just maybe if you think that there might be a chance, maybe you can even bring us on your team and work with you. But uh, there's also other things you can go check out back episodes of the the successfully funded podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, your iTunes, your Stitcher, your Spotify's out there, and uh, check out other campaigns, check out other project founders, hear what their best practices were. And of course, you can always go over to Facebook and sign up for our our private group of crowdfunders who are talking about their ideas, sharing best practices, the do's and don'ts, what works, what doesn't work, and uh, getting in the conversation and and check out what's going on in the world of crowdfunding. So yeah, that's it. A really good interview today. Uh, Hopefully everyone stay home, stay safe, wear your masks, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
Stop.